Hello, Nawi Baptist Church. It is good to be with you here this morning. Um, I'm actually in Western Australia, and uh, of course, we would be there with you physically in person if we at all possibly could be, but those are not the times that we're living in right now. Uh, we hope that you guys are coping okay with being locked down. I, I've lost count of the weeks that uh, you've been stuck inside and, and had all these restrictions. Um, it's probably not good of me to talk about how we don't have those here in WA, but let's just leave it right there. Um, I want to thank you guys again, uh, just to build on uh, what Heather said uh, before, just how grateful we are for Nawi and, and partnering with us and journeying with us over uh, these uh, almost two decades of um, us serving in Malawi and Mozambique. And uh, we're just so grateful. And um, we just want to say thank you very much again. Uh, Angela's giving us, uh, has given us an opportunity to share from the word this morning. And I'd like to take the opportunity to share from Philippians 2, verses 1 to 8. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 8. Uh, I'm just going to read it now, and, uh, and then we'll dig in a little bit more. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I don't know about you, but I find that passage very, very challenging. Because if Jesus is our model for life and ministry, then we have to take a pretty close look at that and see how Jesus conducted himself here on earth and follow in his footsteps and how he behaved here while he was here with people. I just want to take a little, uh, there's all sorts of different ways that we can look at that passage, but I'd just like to take a look at it through the lens of how we conduct ourselves in terms of our relationships with other people. And they can be relationships with each other uh, in the church or uh, relationships with, with other people that maybe look a little bit different or smell a little bit different, eat food that's a little bit different, sound a little bit different. Um, but uh, I think it's helpful for us in, as we look at how we conduct ourselves in terms of all our relationships. So 
let's dig in. So Jesus decided that he would become a servant. Who does that? Who, that, that's the opposite of what everybody's trying to do. Everyone's not trying to empty themselves of power, but our culture and, and, and everyone around us is trying to gain power. And, and that means the opposite of servanthood. Nobody wants to become a servant. What do you think of when you think of servanthood? I, I think of um, there's a sense of powerlessness. Um, they generally remain silent. They're, in fact, probably the best servants are the ones that just sort of are in the corner, you know, in the movies you see, they're just quietly, and, you know, you, you don't even notice them. They don't really have many rights and they're just quietly sort of in, in the background. And Jesus became a servant. He, he, he wasn't forced to become a servant. He chose to become a servant. And this is a little bit of a theme that we see throughout Scripture. It's not just a one-off kind of idea. If we think of when Jesus said, if you want to be great, what do we say? Yeah, you have to become the least. And if you want to gain your life, then you actually need to lose your life. And this sort of fits in with some of Jesus. It's, it's part of Jesus' core teaching on how to conduct ourselves. We, we shouldn't be trying to hustle and gain power it's our job, if we want to live like Jesus, is, is to go on a journey of actually emptying ourselves of power. I find that very, very confronting because if I'm honest, I actually like power. Uh, probably most of us do. I'm attracted to power. It's, it's a little bit intoxicating. We sometimes like to be around people with power. It's power is very attractive. And Jesus chooses to empty himself of his power. If God chose this way to connect with us, because this is how he chose to connect with us, it, he chose to have a relationship with us. He had For him to have authentic relationship with us, he had to empty himself of power in order for him to have really good relationships with us. We, uh, yeah. To, to walk with us on earth, God had to choose to become like a, a human. And that's quite astounding and very challenging. If we want to maybe grow in our efforts, in our, our journey, let's call it, towards becoming more like Jesus in the area of servanthood, there's a couple of things that I'd like to mention this morning. And some of these ideas I want to uh, I want to make sure I give credit to a guy called Dwayne Elmer, and he wrote an amazing book called Cross-Cultural Servanthood. Cross-Cultural Servanthood. If you get a chance to read it, I would highly recommend it. Well, the first thing that we can do is we take a step towards becoming more like Jesus in our efforts to empty ourselves of power and become more like serv uh, servants in our relationships with others is to start with and openness to people who are different from us. And, you know, Jesus Jesus showed this, and he, he, it really wasn't very popular. It really disturbed the religious leaders, didn't it, that Jesus ate with sinners. And, and why did that disturb them so much? Well, because at that time, you really shouldn't be having fellowship with outsiders until they're changed and they prove that they've changed by acting like insiders. They have to, you have to prove it. And only after you've changed, become like an insider, 
and, and culturally and inside, then we might think about uh, having fellowship with you. But Jesus was different. He chose to have uh, fellowship with people who were clearly different and didn't demand that they change before he had fellowship with them. And it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't a very popular idea. It got Jesus into all sorts of trouble. But I think if we're honest, um, uh, we can look around about and I look at my own heart and sometimes I actually uh, don't particularly want to spend time with people that are really different from myself as well. And so it's easy for me to get stuck into the Pharisees and everything, but basically I have a very similar heart quite often to them and I'm confronted by that in my own heart. When we make, when we welcome people into our presence and make them feel safe, we demonstrate an openness to them. And it, probably it's fair to say that this involves a fair amount of courage and risk. You don't know how it's going to work out, but... I think one thing that we often forget is, you know, we're so uh, kind of obsessed with how much risk, risk we're taking and reaching out to these people that are different from us. But we forget that, you know what, those other people, if they respond to us, they're, they're taking a risk in, in uh, having fellowship with us as well. And as we've come back from Africa, we sort of have landed here and we're sort of learning the culture here and, and seeing what the, the lie of the land looks like a little bit. We can see, I think it's probably fair to say that Christians um, are probably not seen as very safe people. Uh, and that could be, you know, that there could be some, um, you know, good reasons for that or not. Um, but I think that seems to be a bit of the vibe here. And so as we reach out to other people, those other people sometimes have to take a little bit of a risk hanging out with us because there's a perception of us. Are, they, are we going to be, you know, really judgmental and get stuck into them about how they, they're living their life or, or, or are we just going to be open uh, and, uh, with them and fellowship with them? Um, an example that I have of, that I'm really challenged by is when, we're, when we first started visiting villages in Mozambique, um, you know, we went out and, we, and, and just visiting and we thought, you know, there's, there's nothing... We're the ones taking all the risks here, I guess is what I thought. And as we went around, um, we, you know, we we're asking families about the, their lives, their, you know, their children and whatever. And it wasn't till about seven years after we were there, my best friend said to me, we, we were just chatting about life, and he said, you know, when you first started to come, when you first came to visit our village, we had no idea what you were, what, what you were there for. And it, and we thought, well, you must be here to gain something. You must be here to take something that we have. And, and he said, the only thing that we could think of that we had that was any value was our children. So some of the people in the village thought, oh, they must be here. They, they must be here to take, out, take some of our children away. And there's a history, of course, with slavery taking, um, stealing people. And so... I, at the time, was all worried about the risk that I was taking, but completely oblivious and unaware of the risk that my friend took and his family took to accept us and to befriend us. That was a real risk. And sometimes I think we lose track of the risk that other people uh, take in opening their lives to us. It's something to keep in mind. So after we have... Um, showed openness to other, other people, perhaps the next step that we can take is 
and acceptance. Now, this is a very powerful thing. And maybe the, the best way that I think of how powerful acceptance is sometimes is to think of the times in my life when I've been the opposite of accepted, which, of course, is rejected. And you might be able to think of some times in your own life when you've been rejected. Maybe, uh, you know, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend has rejected you. Maybe there's been a, a divorce. Maybe you've been fired. Some of the most painful times in our lives come from times when we've been rejected. And so the opposite of that, what we bring, what we, what we can do is we can accept people. And we can accept people just as they are. We can communicate their worth, their value, and their esteem. And the basis for our accepting others, of course, is that Christ accepted us. And I am so grateful that I didn't have to get my act together and clean up my whole life before Christ decided that I was acceptable enough to stand in his presence. All I had to do was accept the gift that he, that he was already offering me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us and he showed his acceptance for us. And if we, if we get those, those, those things around the wrong way, if we think, oh, we need to get our lives together before we um, become accepted, acceptable to God, then that actually is, is a, a, um, it's actually Islamic theology. Whereas true faith says, no, you're completely accepted. Jesus accepts us. He died for us. He accepts us while we were still sinners. And then after we accept him, transformation comes afterwards. And it's on the basis of that acceptance that we have in Christ. It's not, us about, it's not about us earning that acceptance through transformation, which is the wrong way around. Unconditional, continuous acceptance of others is based on the fact that God has bestowed dignity and worth on every single human being. God accepts us just as we are. And so we're compelled to accept other people just as they are. We are not saying that we accept all the things that are, that are you know, perhaps that we deem sinful in their lives in the same way that the things that we do in our lives aren't acceptable. But we as people are seen as acceptable in the eyes of Jesus. And I am so grateful for that. And we can share that beautiful gift with those around about us, no matter how different they choose to live, live their lives. We can show, open our hearts to them and show acceptance to them as people. I've been challenged a lot like that uh, over the years in Mozambique. But, uh, and I still uh, struggle with it sometimes, but it's something that I don't want to give up on. I'm going to keep on working on showing that I accept people because Christ first accepted me. So that's openness and acceptance. The third thing that I wanted to mention this morning was when we interact with other people, especially uh, people who are a little bit different to us, uh, I've found that it's really important to exhibit a learning posture. And this, this, this comes through uh, quite often, and, and it shows through in humility. And because sometimes we think, uh, we look at other people, we think of, look at the way they're living their lives, and we just think, well, that's so different from me. How could, how could anyone live their life that way? You know, because 
whatever, all sorts of different cultural things. We think that doesn't make any sense. But we don't realize that because of their background, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And uh, one of the, the instances that comes to my mind when I was really confronted with my ignorance, to be honest, about how somebody, some uh, decisions that they've made in their life was when we were visiting a village once and there was, um, a, 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 we were just sort of sitting around and, and chatting and there was a boy and I, probably about 10, and I said, oh, and what's your name? And, and he said, oh, my name's Graveyard. And I, I, <laughs> I had a bit of a laugh with I thought to myself and I said out loud, well, what, why would your mother call you Graveyard? What kind of mother would call their son Graveyard? And her, his mother was there and I turned to her and asked her, why did you call your son Graveyard? And, and she looked at me and she said, well, my first 10, no, not 10, I think she had 10, but my first seven children all died before um, they got to about one or two. And when this uh, boy was born, I just thought that he would end up in the graveyard along with all the others. And I was confronted with my ignorance and my lack of understanding, uh, the quickness that I would speak instead of being uh, compelled first to listen. And I think this happens so much with us in life. We're, you know, because so... In, we often have more power. We're the ones with the power. We're the ones who speak, um, but the powerless are the ones, or with less power, they don't speak. And, and quite often we don't give people a chance to speak so that we can hear where they're coming from and what kind of backgrounds people go through. We have no idea of some of the things that people go through, which might explain some of the decisions that they make in life. So we can have an openness to people we can show acceptance to people and we can show humility by listening and learning, adopting a learning posture and listening to, to them and, and their backgrounds and their lives. We serve others when we relate to them in such a way that their dignity as human beings is affirmed and they're more empowered to live God-glorifying lives. I just want to finish by... Uh, sharing with you a Chiao word, and the Chiao word is, is Kuchingamila, and I'm going to put it up um, um, here. I'm, I'm going to show you how to spell it. Here it is, Kuchingamila. And the common use of this word is uh, if I was wanting to maybe come to one of your houses, but I don't know, you know, where you live because, um, you know, in Mozambique nobody's got addresses really. Uh, or the GPS doesn't work. And so what you say is, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'd meet at, say, Nawi Baptist Church, and then uh, you can, we can walk together and you can show me the way to your house. And that's kind of, that's the basic, the, the common usage of the word Kuchingamela. And people just use it all the time. You know, we'll meet here and you can show me the way. And um, so that's, that's just the way the word's used. But then a couple of years ago, we were in a, a, a village visiting uh, a chief who had become a follower of Jesus. And he had gathered a group of people uh, there to listen to some stories about Jesus. And we, uh, they were gathered there. And the chief said this about us. And, and he said, oh, these people have, have come to us to Kuchingamila with us. 
and then walk with us and show us the path towards heaven. And I had never used that word uh, used in, with, in that spiritual sort of context, but as I thought about it and as I heard about it, I listened to the chief speak. I thought, that is brilliant. That's exactly what we're here to do. We're not here to beat people into, you know, doing, you know, got to follow Jesus and all this. Sort of, we, we just want to meet people where they're at and then walk together humbly, learning together on the pathway towards God. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And as I reflected further, I thought, actually, that's exactly what Jesus did with us as well. He came and Kuchinga milled with us. He didn't say, well, you know, he didn't give us a GPS and somehow we got to try and find our own way to heaven. He came to us and in humility, he emptied himself, became like a servant and became like a human, met us where we're at and he continues to meet us where we're at today and he walks with us showing us the pathway towards God that's Kuchingamela and I learned that deeper meaning of Kuchingamela from a Yao chief talking about what Jesus could do and, and how and our people could demonstrate a similar thing and meeting people and walking on the pathway towards God. So uh, as Heather mentioned, we are staying in Australia now. We're not going back um, to Africa. And I think that's that's where we're feeling for us that we want to remain, uh, we want to be inspired uh, by Jesus Kuchinga millering with us. And we want to continue to Kuchinga miller with those around about us, not just in Mozambique and Malawi, but here in Australia. Uh, we want to walk with people. We want to meet people where they're at, wherever they're at, and journey with them on the pathway towards heaven. So that's a challenge for us, and maybe that could perhaps be a challenge for you. Uh, we pray that it is. We pray that the, the Lord would fill you with his Holy Spirit and empower you to Kuchinga Miller with those around about you who maybe look a little bit different uh, and sound a little bit different to you, but I pray that God would give you the courage to reach out to them exactly where they are. Well, thank you so much for listening to me and us this morning. Um, we thank you for again for uh, having us a part of your fellowship and supporting us over so many years. We are so incredibly grateful. We thank you so much. Um, I'll stop now, but thank you very much again, um, and goodbye, and God bless. Bye.